All right, welcome to Waking Lions. How's everybody doing? I know, I know, I'm a little behind on my every Thursday promise to provide you some good informative information via podcast. My apologies. Uh, I traveled to the States, went to uh, North to Maine to Misfit Athletics, CrossFit MF, and hung out with some uh, buddies of mine, Austin Spencer, Chandler Smith. Then I flew down to Atlanta and hung out uh, at Training Think Tank with Max, got to meet Trevor, and got to do some good workouts and and really, uh, you know, just just kind of decompress from, you know, life. Got a lot going on, you know, got two gyms, got a cafe opening, a lot of different business platforms out there, so, and not to mention a podcast. I did do a podcast with my daughter. I'm still up in the air whether or not I want to post that for a multitude of reasons. The most obvious is uh, the sound quality. She's um, you know, a 12-year-old girl and she didn't really speak that loud into the mic. But hopefully uh, everything works out and I can get that published and pushed out here soon. So with that, I want to try something different. Um, what I want to do is I want to start doing or I am going to do a series uh, and this series is going to call be called The Science of Exercise. All right, and this series will involve different podcasts with subject matters ranging from the new science of exercise. Um, Fitness Rx will be another topic of, uh, I'd like to discuss. Fitness throughout the ages. How exercise can keep you young. And uh, some truth about weight loss. These are just examples of what I want to talk about. Uh, But specifically today, this series, part one of this series, is going to be called Why to Work Out. And basically, I want to talk about how exercise gives you the ability to ward off disease, sharpens your brain, and can even keep you in your prime a lot longer than what you've been told in the traditional sense. So bear with me because, you know, some of it may be kind of like mind-boggling to you. There may be a lot of things that uh, could come up that are a little contradictory of what maybe your doctor has told you. Uh, All I tell you how to deal with that is be objective and do your own research. And hopefully you will find uh, the same information that I use. You know, I just don't fly off the cuff. I study, I research, I educate myself prior to even talking about anything that's exercise science related. All right, so with that, you know, humans, we are notoriously bad at assessing long-term benefits and risk uh, of our lifestyle choices. It's something that we really um, want to kind of shift towards an idea of what we call instant gratification, And the problem with that is our motivation is a little skewed as to what is gratification, how instant it should be, and how long we should uh, kind of put ourselves in situations to see the type of gratification that we want to see. Uh, it, it's really unbelievable in my, you know, that I'm not, so let me, I digress. Uh, one of my, one of my clients said the other day that I need to stop saying in my opinion, because this is a podcast and 
you know, it's these are my opinions, and these is this is what I think is fact uh, based on research. So, if uh, if you don't like what I what I'm saying, then you don't need to listen to it. And you know, if I need to stop saying it's my opinion, so I almost said it, and I'm gonna try wholeheartedly not to say that anymore. So, anyways, uh, if there were, you know, so looking at all of this. If there were a drug that you that you could uh, that could do for human health, everything that exercise could do, uh, would you say that it's probably would be the most valuable pharmaceutical ever developed? Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you could go to the pharmacy and say, "Let me get those pills that's going to put me in a position mentally and physically in the best shape of my life," it's going to get rid of arthritis. You know. Etc. And I'll talk a little bit about more of that in a second. But etc. etc. You know the trouble is that only twenty percent of Americans get the recommended one hundred and fifty minutes of strength and cardiovascular physical activity per week, and that's per uh, the World Health Organization. So the WTO, they're the ones that really set that metric. I, I quite honest with you, I, I did some research on this. I don't know how arbitrary that is. There are studies out there. Um, but these studies were very controlled with other animals, i.e. mice. And um, there was uh, some human trials. But I, I do think that that is a little bit arbitrary. I, I think that 150 minutes of moderate intensity aerobic physical activity is at its lowest a baseline number, right? So that should be, that's like the minimum number to survive, not to thrive, to survive. So once again, that is a big trouble that even with that baseline 150 minutes of uh, you know strength and conditioning, physical activity per week, only 20% of Americans uh, are, are getting that. And I would suffice to say that that number is probably very similar worldwide. Um, even then, more than half of all baby boomers they don't even exercise at all, like like zero exercise. Uh, so you you've got eighty million, roughly, if I did my numbers correctly, over the age of six that are entirely inactive. We're talking one hundred percent sedentary, and that's insane to me because I know what the consequences are of, of having a sedentary life. I've seen it happen. It's I mean it's well documented too. People with low levels of physical activity, they're going to have a higher risk for different kinds of cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's, um, I mean, chronic, you name it, uh, type 2 diabetes, uh, insulin resistance, all these different uh, things that we don't really see in the very beginnings, and we, we, they only become identifiable when it's almost too late. And that's it. You know, that's the end of life. And, and for me personally, I want to live my life the fullest. I want to provide myself the opportunity to live not only a long life, but a productive and a happy life. You know, and so looking at those things, those consequences, long before that, any type of inactivity, it worsens, worsens those things like arthritis um, and increases lower back pain. It can even lead to some mental issues like anxiety and depression and uh, even cause, you know, complexes. Uh, I can tell you from personal experience, and I'm not shy about my mental health. You know, I deal with a lot of depression and I deal with a lot of anxiety. 
and I don't take any medicine for it. Uh, but I, I think that I also, I am dealing with it as effectively and as best as I can with the tools I have in place. Um, and those tools are a, a proper diet and a great uh, exercise plan or good physical activity in my life. And some other things, you know, we talked about the, uh, the mental healthness side, uh, healthness side and that, that has to do with mindfulness and, and meditation. And those are things that we're going to talk about in later on podcast. So, um, you know, despite public awareness campaigns, and there's a lot of them, you know, the health benefits of exercise, they just haven't been effectively communicated to the average person. And like I said earlier, humans are notoriously bad at assessing long-term benefits. You know, we want, we want specific promises, you know, vague promises that exercise is good for you or it's good for your heart. People just don't take that. That's not power enough, powerful enough for them. So that doesn't really motivate them to do anything that they think ultimately is a chore. You know, people people look at exercise as a chore. They don't look at it as a lifestyle. Um, yet, the on the flip side of that, uh, we as humans are also motivated by rewards. So if we as a uh, as a community of health and wellness professionals, health and wellness enthusiasts. Um, if we focus on proving the scientific benefits of exercise, that it slows aging, gives you better mood, creates less chronic pain, stronger vision, you know, real measurable, almost immediate results, I think that that could help us move forward and at least create dialogue and open up the conversation as to, okay, talk to me about incorporating exercise in my life. So with that, that segues me to the next thing. Exercise basics explained. You know, you want to incorporate exercise into your week, and it doesn't have to be complicated. Uh, a lot of people try to you know, do you know a good example of that is quality over quantity. They feel like they have to do a million exercises to get the type of um, stimulus and endorphin um, levels needed to feel like they've achieved something uh, metabolically or physiologically. And that's not true. It's simple. You know, knowing that what we know now, the WHO has said that 150 is that that arbitrary what I think is number to um, for each person to have some sort of like strength and conditioning program doing it. Uh, like I said, that's a baseline, but nonetheless, it's a starter. And I think that's important. Next is what to you counts as moderate intensity exercise. So that's everything that you think of as exercise, plus lots of things that you don't think that, that includes brisk walking, playing with your kids, walking the dog, carrying heavy groceries, gardening, you know, just spending time off of your couch, away from the TV, away from that jar of jello that you eat by hand, because I know there's somebody out there that does it, you know, away from the chips, away from the dip, and just move. That's moderate intensity exercise. And then we get into the two things that I think most people are curious, 
have curiosity about, uh, specifically with our gyms, is that high intensity interval training, that CrossFit, you know, is it good as regular exercise? And currently, the evidence does suggest that short, all-out burst of exercise brings unique benefits to their body in a positive manner. Uh, there's also great options for people that are time crunched. You know, there's new research that shows that as long as you go hard, you put in the good intervals, just as effective as a long workout. I'm talking about, and what I'm what I'm talking about is that those people who go to the Globo gyms and spend two hours a day versus somebody who comes into a gym, warms up, does a crushing workout, and then cools down within 60 minutes. That is what we're talking about, and then. There's the old mantra uh, or the old question, I hate lifting weights, can I just do cardio? Sorry, but if your goal is to live longer and be healthier, you should do both because they have different benefits. Cardio will prevent you from being winded after climbing stairs. It will help you aerobically, right? While strength training is going to help you build muscle, bone density, it's going to protect you from injury. And, you know, that's the bottom line on that. I, I'm tired of people saying that uh, strength and conditioning is not for them. That is not true. So stop saying it. All right, so how did we get to where we are today in this world where exercise has become a, uh, has, let's see, it's risen as a, it's it's risen and focused from a prevention of disease to a treatment of disease. I think that makes sense. You know, it used to be about preventing disease and and making people healthy. Now we're we're at the point to where we just want to treat something, and that is the wrong approach when it comes to health and wellness. You know, before doctors adopted any type of uh, a single mind of focus on treating and curing diseases, their main goal was to keep people healthy. Uh, even back in the day, like 400 BC, uh, and there's a lot of information out there about this, doctors knew that diet and exercise were the best ways to do that. Eating alone will not keep a man well. That was Hippocrates. You know, he famously wrote that. He also said, he must also take exercise. So back in, you know, four or 500 BC, Hippocrates was saying, hey man, you got to eat well and you got to work out. Uh, and, and for hundreds of years, doctors were the vanguards of some of PE, physical education. You know, some the original PE teachers, I guess you would call them. But then something changed. You know, back in the early 1990s with the rise of surgery, modern surgery specifically, pharmaceutical companies, and etc., you know, the medicine shifted its focus from that prevention of disease to its treatment, like I said before. So you have this, uh, well, you know, paradoxically, I guess you would say, physicians de-emphasize exercise, um, and then they start emphasizing um, uh, treatment, which is insane. And a lot of it had to do with um, I guess you could say modern Olympics or you could say the modern athlete. Um, and the reason for that is because this huge popularity of, of athletes becoming these superheroes of sorts in our lives, especially in the 90s, 
Um, and even in colleges, right? Like they began building stadiums to accommodate the, this growing love of spectator sport. So they became like our superheroes. And what happened was is that um, we were losing sight of the health benefits of exercise because what we were thinking was, you know, these men and women on these teams are the, are the, the ones that nature had endowed this superhuman or super abundantly physical capacity. Um, but on them, the physical director bends most of his energies towards, whereas uh, the average student or the average person is just left to get his physical development, you know, by yelling from the bleachers. That's insane to me. That's just, that's mind boggling to me. You know, hindsight, you look at it and even when I was younger, and I say younger, I'm 35, so I'm talking 25, when I used to watch Kobe Bryant play and this dude's just insane moving around. He's always got an injury. And yeah, I used to think there's no way I could be like that. Like there's no way that I could just be in that, that great of shape have that type of capacity you know now I am where I am and yes I can I can it just just takes hard work and a great diet um, but the problem also was is that physical phys- physical activity was no longer the medicine of the masses but the privilege of the elite athletes and um, when scientists studied exercise they were just trying to figure out how these athletes can improve to get there to the peak performance, not how us mere mortals could improve our day-to-day health. And I would say even to this day, that gap persists. It's shrank a little bit with the advent of CrossFit um, and with the advent of well, what CrossFit has done to other sports-specific entities like uh, Olympic weightlifting, gymnastics, powerlifting. So the gap is shrinking, but in the bigger picture, that gap, I believe, still exists. And even worse, you know, many schools, and, and I can only attest to the, the journals that I read in the United States, but many U.S. schools, they've seen gym classes get cut from the curriculum. Uh, they, nearly half of high school students don't have a, P, a PE class, and only 15% of elementary schools require PE at least three days a week. That's, that's insane. So then the result that comes from that is you have a majority of kids, American kids, specifically adolescents, who have this exercise deficit disorder. And so what does that do? That creates childhood obesity rates that are, that are going to be climbing starting from when that occurred back in the late 90s, early 2000s. You're going to have a whole generation just soured on exercise. You're going to have a whole generation just just not knowing anything but type 2 diabetes. So I'll leave you with this last thing. I want to make this short. A body in motion, right? Everybody knows exercise is healthy. Everyone knows it. It's not, don't deny it, you know it. Now scientists are learning exactly why. So here are some amazing things that happen inside of your body that hopefully by me saying this will make you aware of what's going on right? Instead of just sweating. So with your body being able to burn fat for energy um, instead of carbs, and what I mean by that is those longer bouts of work that we do at a high sustainable rate, your body tends to shift its uh, metabolic burn to fat, then it causes your fat cells to shrink. 
What does that mean? Lower body fat percentage. Um, also, too, is it, that increased blood flow to your brain creates new blood vessels, and exercise also triggers the release of chemicals that can dull pain and lighten a mood, i.e. endorphins. Um, moving quickly makes the heart pump more blood to your body's tissues, including the muscles. That extra oxygen helps muscles withstand fatigue, which helps you work harder and get bigger muscles and lose fat. Repeated weight-bearing contractions make muscles grow and put pressure on your bones, i.e. increasing bone density. I can go so on and so forth. Exercise revs up the blood flow of your skin, delivering nutrients to your epidermis, helps you heal wounds faster. You know, I have I had a couple members, they call me jokingly Wolverine, but it is true in the sense that I'm able to heal faster and get better a lot quicker. Um, not because I have some I'm some some genetic freak. No, it's because I exercise regularly and I eat well. So in closing, for this specific thing that we're gonna talk about today, um, I want you to remember that exercise, specifically the science of exercise, is is fairly new, right? It's something that a lot of people are just ignorant about or they're unaware about. But that doesn't mean that you should shy away from it. That doesn't mean that you should not try it. Uh, I, I told somebody the other day, they asked me, um, you know, well, it was a client. She said, I'm not, I don't think I'm ready to start CrossFit. And I said, well, why not? She's like, I'm not in shape for it yet. And um, this happened, this happened, this has happened twice. And I told her, I said, you don't get in shape to do CrossFit. You know, I think one of her worries was, I don't want to be in a group class and everybody just you know crushing me in workouts and everybody's in so much better shape than me. I said, you don't, you don't start fitness, you don't start your journey in health and wellness by trying, like you're not trying to get to a certain point to start it. In my opinion, you should start it at probably one of the most vulnerable and and hardest parts of your life so you can get out of that rut and then become a better person for it. So that's all I have today. I really really appreciate you guys subscribing to Waking Lions. Please leave me a review. Don't forget, go check us out on CrossFitHubu.com, CrossFitMongoose.com will be coming up soon. Our nutrition program, The Kitchen Wad, can be found at CrossFitHubu.com slash nutrition. We also have our grand opening at CrossFit Mongoose July 4th in the Udama area near Camp Courtney. That is the marine base in Okinawa, Japan. And then lastly, we have our personal training and remote coaching program called Habu SC. Feel free to message us online or shoot me an email at jason at CrossFitHabu.com. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.